Best friends don't bully. They speak the truth and go down rabbit holes. All while loving fiercely, finding hope, and seeking truth. So join us as we talk about everything and nothing. And find the truth in the middle. Let's Let's get get into into it. All right, so we are talking about shame in this episode. Um, It's kind of the direction we were going with. We were shooting around a couple different topics for this episode, and this is kind of the one we just, I kept coming back to. Um, And Steph said, sure, let's go ahead and let's talk about it. So that's what we're talking about. Um, I talk a lot about shame at work. Um, I work with teenagers, and so sometimes they're making really, really poor decisions. Um, due to circumstance, due to them not thinking there's another way to make choices, but also just because they just think that that's what society has best for them because social media says it's okay and a variety of different things. So shame is something that I'm really passionate about talking about with teenagers. But one of the things I realized and what Steph and I have talked about is not everybody talks about shame appropriately or effectively. Um, And it kind of is just this thing that people just gloss over and skip over at times. So we're going to talk about that this episode. We're just going to just have some real frank, honest vulnerable conversations so vulnerability vulnerability it's my thing right now (laughs) I love it so let's talk about Steph from your like if you if somebody was coming to you seeking counsel or support or friend just venting and they're just like I'm overcome with shame like what would be one of the things that you would say to speak life to them as or encourage them in that moment do you have something that you would say I do I have depending on the relationship I feel like Specific people, I would just, like, kind of smack them over the head and be like... Violence. (laughs) (laughs) And just be like, get over it, snap out of it. But I think that's for, like, specific people that I know that's how, like, they need it Mm -hmm. to hear it in order for them to, like, get over anything Um, and to work through anything. It's just, like, they need someone to kind of, like, give them that push. Right. But I feel like for most of it and most people... I think I would just try to point them back to Jesus. Like, I know that sounds like the cheesy, normal Christian answer. It is very spiritual. But, like, I think that it's really hard for shame to exist in your life when you are confident in who you are as a child of God. Yeah. So I think, like, I wouldn't necessarily add anything to cause them to have more shame. Mm-hmm. But I would kind of direct them and encourage them in who they are as a child of God and who their identity is found in. Um, Because I think that once you pull back that curtain and say, but look who you are. Yeah. um, I think that allows the shame just to like roll off. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion. And I mean, like... I mean, we both have worked with teenagers. You work with teenage currently. I, I used to work with teenagers. And they make me like, work. I used I to work with young paycheck. adults when I was a young adult. Like, And I think that shame is a big topic that people deal with. Like, But I think there's also a whole bunch of old people walking around with shame. Oh, yeah. I agree. But I think it all goes down to, like, the identity. Like, are you choosing to find your identity in Christ are you choosing to walk in that God-given identity or are you trying to put a label on who you are and taking a sin that you have or taking something that you're not proud of, a decision you made? 
And are you wearing that as your identity instead? I think that's where shame comes from. Mm, that's good. I always, I one of the main questions I ask when, I don't think shame is the word that people often use when they're dealing with it. I think a lot of it is like regret or like a common phrase is like, I should have done better. I should yeah. have known better. I should not have made that choice. And one of the things that I, that comes up a lot in my conversation is, okay, well, then what choice should you have made? Do you know? And then somebody will say like, oh, I feel like I should have made this decision or I should have made that decision. And then my follow-up question tends to be, okay, did you know that that was a decision you should have made before you made your choice? Or is that one that you discovered after you had made your choice when you had to deal with the consequences, good, bad, or indifferent from the decision that you made? And oftentimes when people say like, I didn't know that that was an option until after, and then some of the consequences that came up and some of the after effect was, you could have done da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. I think that's a point for people to release of like, you can't hold yourself accountable for what you didn't know. You didn't know. You made the best decision you knew to make in that moment. Yeah. And so you can't hold yourself prisoner to a poor decision because that at the time was the only way forward. And there's free, there's freedom in recognizing that. I think oftentimes though people carry around these things of like, I should have always known better. How? If nobody's teaching you, if nobody's showing you, if you're not walking in community where people are sharing their experiences in open dialogue, how yeah. are you ever supposed to know if all you see in front of you is this way, if all society is saying this is your only option or your only choice, you don't know that there are other things. Society loves a lot of people. They just be out here snatching souls, lying to people about left and right about all the things. <laughs> they do. So I think some of it is that. I, I love, that is one of the favorite components of my job. I love that. I love dealing with students who are at what they would describe as like, I'm ruined. I've ruined my future. Mm -hmm. I've ruined. I'm like, let's go. Pull up a seat. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Like, that's the sweet spot. I can do the fun stuff. Yeah. The middle of the road stuff. I'm like, all right, I can do it. I could care less. Like, it's not impacting you one way or the other. Knock it off. Mm -hmm. Better choices. But the ones where students are just like, I've completely ruined they, my life. They come to you defeated, and they're just it's like, like, okay, what's well, the let's point? let's build back up. You already hit rock bottom at this point, so let's build you back up. Let's let's show you what your future should look like, what it can look like. And while you're at this vulnerable state of potentially like true repentance, let me walk with you while you walk through this and what that looks like. Those are my sweet. I love those things. Yeah. No, I like that. You're like you don't know. Like you can't hold yourself accountable for what you didn't know. Mm -mm. Because, like, one of the things that I always tell people is, like, when they're mad at somebody else, and this is something I've had to learn, like, for situations and people in my life, is, like, you don't know what you don't know mm -hmm. the same way that they don't know what they don't know. So, like, there's things that you're angry at somebody, but they didn't know that they didn't know yes. they needed to do something. Yes. Like, so I think that in itself is also, like, a powerful thing to to think about is like on a personal side of like, okay, I don't know everything. There may be a better way. I don't know if there is, but I'm going to do the best that I can. And sometimes I think people don't realize that when they say things or do things, it might feel, if we don't have an initial gut reaction of like, oh my gosh, why would you just say that to me? Or why would you do that? Or why would you treat me this way? I think sometimes people really think, unless it's like, blatantly obvious that you're mistreating somebody that they handled that situation well. They're probably like, wow, that went well. 
All right, I said what oh, I needed to 100%. say, and I got it off my chest. Yeah. That went well because they're not crying. They're not yelling at me back. They're not cussing me out. They're not doing any of these things. So this went well. And on the other side, you're just like, how dare they wound me to my core? But nobody ever talks about it. So then they start acting different towards, you know, you start acting different towards them. They think everything's okay. It just mm-hmm. creates this cycle of just like, nobody knows what's happening because nobody's talking about it. Let's just talk about it. Let's just lay all our cards on the table. Because there's a, there's a, there's a difference between remorse and shame. But I think sometimes we use them as the same. I think sometimes people say, like, I'm remorseful that I made that decision, but I forgive myself for it. I forgive my surrounding environment if they contributed to it. And I let that go. I should have done better, but I didn't know to do better. And so I'm just going to move forward and make better choices moving forward than like beating yourself up every single time that topic comes up or something comes up. I'm like, I cannot believe I did that. I should have done better. And now I'm going to allow that to be my identity. There's a way to just say like, I regret that I made that choice and I'm sorry for that. Moving forward, I'm going to do better than allowing it to like mark you. Yeah. But that, like, I think that goes back to making it your identity. Mm-hmm. Is like- yeah. Have you forgiven yourself for that mistake? If you've forgiven yourself for that, you can't live in shame of that. If you haven't forgiven yourself, you can live in shame of that. Mm-hmm. That's an odd concept. Like, I I dealt with shame in a weird way. Okay. And then I just decided to, I didn't care anymore, right? Okay. I shouldn't say in a weird way, in an obvious way. But I didn't allow it to become my identity. But when I got divorced, like, there was this, there was this identity that people wanted to attach mm-hmm. to me. And I was just like, whoa, why are we trying to attach this? Like, what is, what is, what is happening? Yeah. Like, there was this, especially, like, in the church. Like, I, at one point, I ended up having a conversation with my mom. And I was like, I feel like everybody just wants to brand me with a scarlet letter because I could not make my marriage work without knowing the details. Without, like, and it wasn't that I couldn't make it work. It was that the willingness to fix it and make it work was not there and not by me. Yeah. And so... But I think that's also, like, an important part of, like, things aren't always in your control. Right. You're not in control 100%. Right. And sometimes you have to sit in painful situations and painful seasons that really have nothing to do with you. You're just impacted by someone else's choices. There's nothing to be shameful about the fact that you were impacted by someone else's choices. You can't hold shame for that. They should hold significant remorse and regret. (laughs) <laughs> and apologies should be flowing from their lips in abundance like and milk and honey and never end right like it needs to be an ever-ceasing revolving door of apologies oh my god but i mean sometimes i think that does need to happen but i but you can't live in shame for some things that 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 happened that were beyond your control so oftentimes like what i find myself saying in communication with my students is like i say things like i'm sorry that this happened to you and you had no choice in the fact that this happened I'm sorry that your life, that decisions were made for you, that you were not consulted about how this would impact you later on down the road. However, it happens. How do we move forward? How do you move forward without this component? How do you move forward without ever getting the closure that you think you need? How do you move forward without ever getting the apology you think you deserve? How do you move forward? Because from this moment forward, we can acknowledge what did not go right. We can acknowledge what was wrong. We can acknowledge that people should have done better by you and for you. They didn't. How do we move forward? What does a path forward look like? And it's really interesting to watch and say, okay, well, I can control this. I can control that. I can control this. Beautiful. Manage the things you can control. Ignore the things you can't. Yeah. Because you just there's certain things you cannot control. But what is it that you can control? I think it's interesting that oftentimes we want to like 
use like a, a new age sl slogan or phrase to like patch over everything. And it'd be like, okay, well better, you know, chin up buttercup, you'll be okay. Ignore it. Don't let it phase you. Act like it never happened. Like there's a lot of things that we say to like deflect Ignorance from it. Ignorance is bliss. That we never actually help somebody like sit with somebody while they just process through it. And sometimes it's just communication. Sometimes it's really just talking through. This is what happened. This is what I would have wished. This is what I wish would have happened. This is what I would like to happen moving forward. And then they find their own healing and the ability to release while talking about it. But well, we never want to talk about it. But I think like that's part, of, that's part of the problem in society today is that we're so busy and we're so consumed and we pack our schedules so full. Yes, yeah, so that we never have to acknowledge that. Them. Not only do we have to not acknowledge our stuff, but we don't create space for other people to acknowledge their stuff oh, in I our agree. presence. Like, it's it's very shock. Like, for me, it's shocking. Like, I grew up where, like, we had an open door policy and people from our church were always at our house growing mm, up. I like that. Like, people just randomly would stop by. Like, oh, hey. You know, we were out on a walk and I was just walk. walking by and saw your door was open. So... Wanted to come in and say hi. I take it back. I don't love that. Like, <laughs> I thought for a second I did. I was surprised like, when you said I love that. You started describing it. I, I was thinking, like, no, I wow, don't. Love okay. It. Now listen, I can love it for other people. People know if you know where my address is, you are lucky. You are blessed to know where I live. Otherwise, I'll be telling people my address. But also, like, I always warn you when I'm coming over. Like, Everybody I never does. just been like I normally give you like a heads up by like a day. Like, hey. I'm coming through, going to New York. I might stop at your house. The door's open, and if it's not, you know the, the, the access code to the but garage. Like, so, the, like, growing up in that kind of community, in that atmosphere where, like, people just always made time for each other, mm -hmm. like, and it was very inconvenient sometimes, but, like, it was just it was just who we are, and it's what we did. Right. To, like, moving to this area where people are so private and not vulnerable with one another like i mean i've been here for six years and i'm still trying to figure it out like the whole community thing i'll like invite a group of people over for a bonfire and i get like three people to show up two people to show up out of like 15 people that i've invited oh my god and it's like these people will hang out with me one-on-one -on -one, but when it comes to a group setting i don't know what it is it scares now, them i'm gonna be honest as a a a high need introvert or a high end introvert being in places with groups of people terrifies me okay but like but i like the vulnerability that exists I've, when i do step out of my comfort zone but i like oof. i think part of it is because people know that conversations with me tend to go deep That's especially <laughs> especially around a bonfire at night where we can't see each other's faces. People talk so much deeper when you're in the dark and they can't see your face. Okay, but it's not like y'all in the middle of the wilderness. Like, there's still some light, but you just can't see. Duh, but like, you know voices. The, the idea that like you can't see how someone reacts. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. It's the same oh, thing like okay. When, okay. when I was a youth leader and I would like take girls out for ice cream to talk to them about their issues... I would choose the ice cream place that's a 20-minute drive away because they would tell me everything that I wanted to know in the car ride because they knew I couldn't look at them in their face. That's interesting. 
It's the car ride is the best place to get a teenage girl to spill the beans. I'm gonna be honest with you. I normally sit across from my teenagers because I think it's the shame thing. I normally sit across from them and I just go. Yeah, you just, do the same thing and you breathe. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Just like that. Same tone, everything. Let's talk about it. No, I think it's just because we can't can make see that. eye contact. It They feel safer Yeah. because they don't need to make eye contact. I can see that. So, like, by the time we get to ice cream, we've already had the hard discussion. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, like, the, the building of the relationship and the solidifying of, like, the encouragement when we're yeah. face-to-face yeah. eating ice cream. Yeah. Like, I can see that. And then, like, the ride home is either, like, we're laughing and joking or they get serious again and they tell me something else. And I'm like, all right, let's get this done. Like, I, I always ask people when I can sense that we're about to have a deep, heavy conversation. But I, I always ask them to set the space. I go, set the space for me. What, do, what is it that needs to occur in this space for you to share what you need to share? Because you look like you need time alone. Do you need a snack? Do you need a fidget spinner? Do you need a piece of paper and a pen so that you can doodle before and you, you have start talking? All of those things. I have all of those things in my office at work. I also have all of those things at my house. So sometimes yeah. people will stop by my house and they'll just be like, "Hey, like I'm just having a stressful week. Listen, what would you like to pick up? Here's a fidget spinner. Go ahead and play with this while you talk. Because sometimes it's just nice to like relax your mind with having to think through yeah. how do I appropriately no, I say? I just need to talk about it. I didn't talk about my divorce for the longest time. I know people knew. They knew when I got mad when petty stuff happened. Like when my Apple Music got cut off in the middle of the work day and I was fuming. I sent off several text messages. I can't believe this just happened. All while I was signing up for my own Apple Music account. It took me like two seconds and I don't know it was over it, right? Like it wasn't a thing. But I didn't, I don't talk you about it. You were mad about that. Huh? You were so mad about that. I'm still that. mad about it occasionally. I'm not going to lie to you. It's that often, but every once in a while. But for me, and when I think one of the things that we have to recognize is that sometimes when big, painful things happen to people, they're not always ready in that moment to talk about it. And they walk through their very slow pace. But I feel like it is okay to just sit with them. Absolutely. Like, there's no there's no rush in talking about yes. it. But, like, I think people just like to go back to the bonfire thing. Is like, there's just some people that don't want to go there and they know that they don't. They will if they're there and they're like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. So I just need to stay it. away from it. They run from it. I've had friends who would like run from me because they're like, every time I'm with you, you pull all these things out of me without trying. It's just like my brain feels I'm thinking of a specific person right oh, now. Go ahead. Yeah. Like there's just there's someone who our friendship is very distant now because we went through this phase where we got really close really fast. And then it was like every time we were in the same room, she just felt the need to like vomit up more stuff. Like I was the safe place. And but then like we couldn't figure out. I say we because like it's not really mine to figure out. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to point you to Jesus. And that's Mm -hmm. you got to take care of that with Jesus. But like it was like this constant thing of every time we were together we would have these super deep conversations and she was she was just getting wrecked by it. Like, cause it was thing after thing after thing, which I fully understand. But so like- It can be, a, it can we be stopped hanging out and she started putting space where like, even if we had to be in the same room at a church event together, she would sit on the opposite side of the room. 
Or if she was sitting next to me, we just wouldn't, like, she wouldn't even look at me and say hi because she knew if she looked at me, she would break down about something. So it was like this avoidance to avoid the fact that she knew that there was something wrong with her and she wasn't ready to handle it and deal with it. And she didn't know how to be in my presence. Without being confronted with the truth that there's freedom on the other side. Yeah. Even though it was never anything I did. Like, I never... It was literally just my presence. Yeah. So, I mean, I just... I think that there's that factor of, like, I don't know. I can see that being true, though, because I do think that... For me, I didn't talk about my divorce for a while because... I had told one person the day everything happened and everything came out. It was just like, it was like an overstuffed closet and somebody mm-hmm. just opened the door and just stuff just came spilling out that should not have been spilling out because it shouldn't have existed to begin with, but it did. And so it just kept spilling out. And I remember calling my mom at work. I was even work and I was like crying. I was I'm coming to the house. <laughs> and she was like, okay. I, I don't know what you yeah. said. I could see her being like, what's wrong with you? Yep, Stop she was crying. Like, Get she yourself like, together. What are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? Like, okay, like, what's happening with you? And so I was like, I got to go home and have this conversation, and then I'm going to be at your house. And she was like, okay, okay. And, like, when my voice started to clear up a little bit, she was like, oh, something's wrong. And I was like, mom, yeah. something, I cannot do this right now. Like, I will be at the house. I have to go have a conversation. I'll be at the house. So I went and had a conversation, and then I got in my car, and I was, like, driving to my parents' house, and I decided, like, I'm going to stop and talk see aunt who was like yeah it's my homie he's like the greatest he had a he was working at the time in harrisburg and i called him while i was driving and i was like are you in your office right now and if you are do you have a meeting i need to talk to you and he was like i'm in my office i'm about to wrap up a meeting but when you get here even if i'm still in my meeting just ask for me and i'll step out so he did i just sat in his office and i'm just sitting there and i'm like trembling i didn't even have to say anything because he knows me that well and he like we're connected in like a weird spiritual sense of just like, there are things that have happened in his life that I know about without him having to speak and say it. And I just know and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I got there and I sat there and I'm like trembling. And I just looked at him like tears just started streaming down my face. And he was just like, I know. And it's okay. And this is what you need to do. But it was like that tough love of like, don't sit in this because this is not a reflection of you. And this is not you. Yeah. But pick yourself up. You got to start. You got to be strategic and start thinking through this. And you got to make some choices and make and do these things. Then I got to my parents' house and I just crumbled. I laid on their couch and slept for like I I called. I was texting you. Um, Arielle showed up at the house and I was like talking to her. My older brother was home and he was just like, oh my gosh, him and his little conspiracies and all his feelings. And I was just like, I don't know how to be in this situation. Like I don't know how to press through this, how to exist. And I went right back to work. Like that was a Friday. I was off that weekend. I went to work that Monday. Yeah, and then it was like the following weekend you came to visit yep, me. I came to your house and didn't leave. We went to Ikea. We, it was like my birthday weekend. We were supposed to do a whole bunch of things. We didn't leave the house. We went to Ikea and bought stuff for my new house because I was moving prior to the incident that happened. Yeah. And then I just like sat. We just I just sat on that beanbag we and I was just sat like, forever. I'm here. We I'm just existing. vegged all weekend. All weekend. And then I went right back to work. And I just remember working. And I remember somebody at work asking about him. And I was like, we actually separated. We're not together. And she laughed. <laughs> we still talk about it. She hysterically laughed in my face. She was like, oh my gosh, Brittany, you got jokes. Da, 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 da. And I was like, no, I'm serious. And this is what happened. And she was like, no, okay, that would never happen in a million years. And I'm standing there and all of a sudden, like, 
a single tear just starts streaming down my face. And she was just like, oh, shoot, you're serious. And I was just like, mm-hmm, and I'm going to go now. Because I'm going to go back in my apartment. I'm going to cry myself to sleep at this point. And I did. And that was like, for me, that was, there was shame that was born in that moment. Uh-huh. Because it was like, why are you laughing? It's something that I'm telling you. I shouldn't be upset about it. And or you're saying that. I'm crazy for this being a situation that's happening right now. Like, it's me that created this environment and this setup. In my mind, that's where, like, where I went. Oh, but that makes sense. Like, that's where you went. But I'm sure on her side, she's going... She had. She genuinely had I no idea. I know you guys. That's definitely not a thing that would happen because anyone yes. who met you guys... Yes. ...never would have seen that happen. I agree. I, agree. I think she, it, wasn't, it wasn't an intentional slight. Or an yeah. intentional hurt. It was like, ha, 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 so funny. You have jokes. That'll never happen. And I'm like, no, this really happened. So in that moment, it was like, wow, like I have to live up to the fact of like, now I have to tell people. And I'm never like going on this tour of like, I didn't never, like it's been over two years now. Like I never was like, oh my gosh, guys, let me tell you about how I got, I'm not getting on Instagram. Oh, you hate to talk about it. I, I do. Like, to, like, which that's like a whole other thing is like, you've worked through it to the point where it's like, this is what it is, but it doesn't define me, but it also doesn't define him. Correct. It happened. I wish it wouldn't have happened. Like, not the marriage. I wish the reason why our marriage ended would not have Yeah, happened. I know. But thank you for <laughs> clarifying. I wanted, to, I wanted to clarify because I don't want somebody to be like, wow, Brittany's out here saying she wish she had never gotten Yo. married. No. I'm wishing, <laughs> I wish that what occurred never occurred. And I wish that there was a, a different approach to handling it. Okay. I think that would have potentially yielded a different outcome. And I say potentially because I don't know. People are human. I think it would have potentially yielded a different outcome. But having gone through that, I have a tenderness towards him. It makes people so mad. Like, people get so angry when they they hear me say about it. I've been in the room. (laughs) (laughs) They get so mad. But I do. I have it because I look at... And it's the same mentality and approach that I have, like when I'm working, supporting anybody or anybody comes to me and they're just like, I'm dealing with shame or I'm dealing with this. I wish I would have done better. I I think that there's a possibility that had he had known the outcome of some of the choices that he was making, he would have potentially made some different decisions. A possibility, right? With that, I can't walk around here bashing someone who didn't know that a decision that spiraled out of control on their part, whether intentionally or accidentally, would have yielded in the consequences that ended up having to live out. I agree. And so I can't label you in a certain way of like, you deserve to carry the shame of that because you don't. It was a couple of decisions in your life that impacted the course of a relationship forever. But why are you making that face? (laughs) Because (laughs) that I'm thinking about a situation on my side, where I feel like if you were to apply that to the person on my side, it would help you see differently. Okay, but we already know that anybody that harms you, I just get violent verbally. And I have very big feelings. <laughs> I know. I also, we're talking just, about the same situation. I don't know that that applies for that situation at all. I feel like it could. It could. You don't a lot know of things, a what lot of, you don't know. A lot of, no. Okay, I can't. We can't talk about this right now. We have to talk about this after we record, but we can talk about it after we record. We're not at a place to talk about that on the podcast yet. 
Okay, finish oh, your story. Okay, I have a question to ask. Go ahead, ask a question. Like, teenagers don't always know that they're dealing with shame. Adults yes. don't always know that they're... They can't always identify what they're feeling as shame. So how would you... How would you describe shame to a person who, like, what are some of those things that you would see that go, okay, that makes me think that this is shame that you're dealing with? If somebody brings up a situation or a circumstance or an experience that you all share and they view it drastically different and they can talk about it in a lighthearted, joking way, but it makes you angry inside or it makes you want to shrivel up and hide back in a corner, or it makes you want to immediately leave that situation, there's shame connected to that. If you're, if you're... I'm just, I want to, like, for for people who are listening. Yes. Like, because I think a lot of times we hear about things and we go, oh, no, I don't deal with that. But yes. then, But then we do all deal with stuff to a certain degree. Yes, I agree. I think if someone starts to mention something, like there used to be a part where I used to dread dread being in a situation of having to introduce myself in a professional setting or just any setting and someone asks the question of like oh my gosh are you married do you have children and me have to say oh i'm not married and i'm like oh i thought you were because people love to people love to ask a question i know the answer to and so they like oh i thought you were married i was i no longer am i used to dread that like mm-hmm. i used to be like i'm going to avoid any interaction that requires me to have to introduce myself where someone yeah. may ask that question because i don't want to have to answer that now on the other side, I could care less. You ask me, are you seeing anybody? Your girl out here single as a dollar bill. You know somebody? Tell them to holler. As single as a like, dollar like bill. My, because my, my oh approach. Oh, my God. My pro- <laughs> am I not, though? <laughs> am, am I not? It's iffy. Is it iffy? Oh. <laughs> I was like, what the heck are you talking about? No, it's not. That you don't even know what I'm doing. Which is a problem. Which I guess, I guess you're as single as a dollar bill. You're as single as, single as a dollar <laughs> bill, right? But but I don't feel shame anymore because I work. I walk through that. I, I sat through. I got to grieve. Yeah. I have to work through this. I have to be sad. And I think oftentimes we think that we don't have a right to be sad when somebody does wrong by us. But no, we do. Look, Jesus wept. I can weep. Let me weep. You go ahead. And I empower anybody to weep. <laughs> Just not <laughs> I'm not going to. It, it is hard for me to cry. But also, if you need to cry and you need to be in my space, just give me a slight warning. Just be like, I'm coming with big emotions and I can be prepared. Because if you sit across from me and you start talking and you yeah, start crying, I'm going to be like, true. no, Ooh. it's true. You How did we just s- get here? You don't want to spring that on Brittany. No. She is a, oh, okay. Oh, and she'll like throw a tissue box from across the room because like you are now an infection to her because you're crying. I don't know how to handle it. But if you give me a warning, I can. Give me a warning, yes. I can handle it. But I think... The warning helps a lot. Like when I texted you, when I text you and say, mm, July 2020 vibes today, <laughs> but don't worry, I'm going to figure it out. Like that's the warning of, hey, I'm a hot mess. Um, okay. Just for our listeners, just so you're prepared. to know, I'm just going to give them a brief recap. I separated from my ex-husband June 2020. Steph went through a very challenging period of her life in July 2020. We were both a hot mess for that entire summer. But we were there for each other. We were, but it was toxic. And not how we treated <laughs> each other. It was just the fact that we no. just went from like, 
one emotional hurdle to the other for the other person constantly, constantly, constantly. And it was like, yo, somebody got to breathe. <laughs> somebody has to pull it, it together was, for us to get it together to help the other person maintain cool. It was like, a, am glad that you're having an issue today because then I can concentrate on you and not yes. on me. Yes. But then the next day it was like, oh, crap. Okay, it's back to me. Because it was like, we got those we feelings. We figured out your thing. Now we got to yeah, figure out my thing. It was a thing. lot. It was a lot. But I need those warnings. So I was like, okay, I know which type of headspace to prepare myself when I'm about to walk into because that was I, I just got really nervous when you were like, let me explain. <laughs> I was like, oh, dear Lord, buddy, that ain't, that ain't your story to tell. Don't my, you? That's not my story to tell. <laughs> that's also a, coin, a phrase that we have coined. That's not my story to tell. That came from that season. <laughs> it came from that season oh my gosh I was not going to tell your story I was not going to tell your story I can you see my eyes I was I like oh my That's god I was like, that, uh, anyway, anyway what is she going to say am I going to be okay with this <laughs> are we going to have to cut out a whole section you were okay with it we have nothing to cut out we're fine unless you he know. wants to chop and Why are you, saying? You, you were okay with it thank you for telling me how I feel about it where, where are you? I'm sorry. I can tell by your whole body posture and your face right now that you're fine with what I just said. We are actually recording live in person in terms of we are sitting directly across from each other in her we living are room. in the so same room. I can room. read body language a lot better than when I can read it on FaceTime. True. So, but now you got me losing my whole train of thought. But now I don't, I, it doesn't bother me to tell that part of my story. That's good. And so I've, but I've worked through it and I had to fight through that. Like I, you fought through that. The entire time I kept saying, I will not be bitter. And so I will fight through what I need to fight through because I refuse to be bitter. But there was a lot of prayer involved in that. Oh, there was so much. There was so much. So again, Jesus. I seriously though. Won't he do it? Like, won't he do it? If you let him, he will do it. And let me tell y'all, some people separated, just want to stay bitter. It's fine though. I don't know how. Separated June twenty twenty, uh-huh. major ho- hospitalization August twenty twenty. Uh-huh. Placed on the transplant organ national list September twenty twenty. Yep. In that time period, my life went through an emotional roller coaster of epic proportion and i just kept saying two things i remember saying two things i will not leave this season unchanged like i will not walk through this season with all of these things that keep piling on top of each other and there appears to be no way out jesus i don't know how i'm keeping my head above water i don't know how this is working i will not leave this having not seen the hand of god through the entire part and i refuse to be bitter i don't know how any of those things happen other than god and i just just me being honest people might say oh you're super spiritual really there's so many other if it was not for God, but God, I would not have gone through that. Because that's wild to have to deal with. Bam, 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 bam. In, the mid- was, in the middle of a pandemic? It was all on top of each other. In the middle of a pandemic on top of that's and the then, cherry on top. And what? then, like, medical things that, like, you just are not normal at all were completely normal for you. I Give me peace. And I was like, why? Why? No. Yeah. But shame looks like, sorry, we went off on a tangent. <laughs> It's fine. We but always do. Shame looks like being in a spot that somebody mentions something and you get so uncomfortable. Your whole body, like your whole body presence, like your body, what is it called? Body language. Woo. 
Y'all, words, they're hard. <laughs> your entire body language changes. You tense up, you freeze, or like you're, you get all fidgety and antsy. If you're typically just a calm, like you're, you're rubbing up against something that you don't want somebody to talk about because you're not sure how it's going to be received by other people because you haven't dealt with it. Shame. Wanting to hide from things. Good that's definitions. Shame. That's shame. And that's that you should be able to be, you should be able to be exist in any space you want to exist in without there being any fear of you being misrepresented or mislabeled. And if there's experiences that you've had with people that you don't necessarily feel shame from, but you want to have privacy with, just let them know, hey, don't talk about this. Because I do think that there's a difference. There's a way to say, I want to, I'm private about this. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it, but I'm not shameful of it. I just don't want to talk about it because it's nobody's business. And I don't want to have to have a million and one conversations with people about it. My life is not open access. There's a difference between that versus shame. Privacy is totally fine. If you want to have privacy from your reason. entire life. It's the reason behind it. Yes. And if you want to have privacy in your entire life, I don't want people to know where I live. I don't want people to know who I'm talking to, who I'm friends with, what I wear to work, where I work, to have a car drive, to third. There's shame in there somewhere because nobody needs to be that private. That was a whole, like, all those things together or, like, one or two of those? Oh, no, all those things together. Okay, I was going to no, no, say, because no, no. some of those things are totally fine. No, 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 all those things together. If people just see a, a perfectly manicured and curated Jew at church on Sunday or randomly at the grocery store on Saturday or a variety of different places, but that's it, but you're not willing to share anything else, that, that's, a, that's a little aggressive on the privacy. And so I'm either going to say there's a trauma that exists somewhere that has happened that you just don't want people to know about your life. Or there's something in your life that you're shameful about, a shameful element. And let's deal with it. Let's talk about it. I don't like people to know where I, I live. Accurate. There was a trauma that I experienced. Accurate. That caused me to be at that spot of like, you can't know where I live because it's just not cool. But I'm getting better at it. You are. I'm getting a lot better. You've gotten a lot better even like better. in the last year. Oh, yes. I've gotten a lot better at it. It's not as bothersome to me as it was before. But yeah, it like there was now. And I tell people this all the time. I'm the worst at this, though. But I can't help other people identify it. I'm just horrible at doing it for myself. Of course, that's how we all are. That there is no such thing. Like, I think people oftentimes say, like, when we talk about shame, you also talk about trauma, right? And people are just yeah. like, well, I don't have trauma. I've never experienced trauma. False. Everybody's experienced Everyone trauma. Everyone has trauma. It, everybody we has. are all messes. Life in general, like, t surviving a pandemic is traumatic. That's trauma. That in of itself I is feel trauma. bad for them kindergarten kids. Listen, let Ooh, me tell you. Those kids that were supposed to go to pre-K. Kids who have not been in school because of the pandemic, they, they're, they're a different breed of people. And I know that having they worked with them They don't even know how seniors, to socialize. They're a different breed of people. They are, they are a different breed of people. They literally spent years on the internet. And that's how they communicate and establish relationships. They don't know online safety. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'm starting to switch into I'm starting to switch into work mode, but I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. So, but there is a such thing as a manageable trauma and an unmanageable trauma, and I think oftentimes we look at people and say, "Wow, that's a big trauma that happened to you, and it's unmanageable, and so therefore, because it's so big, no other traumas can exist." And that's not true. Traumatic things happen to people all the time. It's just whether or not you can manage them or they're not manageable. If they're not manageable, then you need to get help for it. But if it's a manageable trauma, some things you just that may just stick with you forever. It doesn't shape your life. It doesn't drive your life. It's just a memory and an experience that sticks with you in some capacity forever. That's okay. 
I'm horrible at acknowledging traumas in my life. Okay. That was another opportunity when my therapist told me that I was the problem. And she said, no, dub right now. Are you serious? <sighs> when I said to her, hey, did you know? I was talking to my um, friend Claude from work. And she was like, so we're coming up on the anniversary of your transplant. This is the first year. How are you dealing with just processing the trauma that you went through now that you're not in crisis? And I literally looked at her and I said, Claude, what are you talking about? That wasn't traumatic. And she was like, <laughs> I can still see her face to this day. She looked at me and she said, oh, yeah, just almost dying a couple of times and needing a new organ in your body in order to live is not traumatic, whatever. That's just everyday life. And it was when she said that. Exactly. I was like, oh, my gosh, crap. I did go through a traumatic experience. And she was like, oh, wow. And I was telling my therapist about it. And I was like, so my friend Quad, she said that, and I was explaining it to her. And she was like, no, duh, Bernie, did you just get here? Whoa. I don't know. The aggression and the attack here um, was a little much. But yes, I did just arrive here. There, sometimes but it, it takes, takes you, people. It, it doesn't take people. It just takes you. That's fine. Multiple conversations and multiple months to get something to realize stuff like that. We could have conversations all day. You can have conversations with three people about one thing, and it'll still take you three months to process that. And then you'll be like, oh, my God, and say it as if it's the first time because it just clicked in your head. To all our new listeners, please go back and listen to the Transplant Journey episode of the podcast. In that episode, I start out by saying that I am slow. <laughs> I'm a slow processor. It's I'm I can't so slow. I can't help it. I am so slow. But okay, but here's we, something though. My therapist told me because I told her I'm a I'm a processor. I hear okay. a conversation. I get angry the next day about that conversation. Yes. Right? Yes. You've seen it multiple times. She said. <laughs> so her advice to me was. Stop trying to process it and don't be afraid to hurt someone's feelings. Just say your raw thought. Oh, because sometimes people need to hear that raw thought. Geraldine, I wish you would have consulted me before saying that because my feelings is about to be hurt a lot. But <laughs> shout no, out to you for getting but I was freedom. Telling her that, like, when I react and respond to stuff, a lot of the times I I respond days later because. That is true. I want to process it, and then I want to say it. I want to make sure that I communicate in a way that's not going to be harmful to the other person. That is true. And so I'll stay silent about my anger until I figure out how to say it properly in a conversation. Yeah, that's I, and how I to can, explain myself. I can agree that I've seen that in you. Oh, I know you have. Because there have been times where you'd be like, "I can't believe this happened." And instantly, I'm like, "Oh, anger! What feeling?" <laughs> Excuse me. And yeah. You, you're just like, I mean, it's not a big of a deal. And then three days later, I can't believe. Wait, what? <laughs> okay, hold on. Wait. Time yeah. I can't reactivate my anger like that on cue. <laughs> I was angry when it happened. I've let it go. I thought we let it go. We did it. All right. Go ahead. Be angry. I'm all oh, outraged. Yeah. Feel so like, like That's one of the things that like she's telling me I need to be assertive for. Yeah. Is like, don't be so concerned about the other person hurting the other person's feelings because it. Like, you need to worry about you. Yeah. And, like, you can't be afraid. Like, people's feelings get hurt all the time. You need to just know that you'll get good at apologizing. (laughs) Like, because if you do step on toes, like, it's okay because they get to see 
who you are. They get to see who, like, how you really feel and not the manicured version of what you want them to see. What I say a lot at work is people are going to be offended either way. But if you want to be in control of what they're offended about, then it's best to be honest. In some it's situations, not that I'm not honest. No, I know. I'm not saying that you're not honest. But in some situations, right? Because they're going to either be offended that you stood up for yourself and be like, oh my gosh, why is she doing this? She needs to calm down, take a chill pill. It's not that serious. Or they're going to be like, oh my gosh, you didn't trust me enough to tell me how you really felt in the moment when I said this and did this. My feelings are hurt now. You get to choose which one. See, but when people have, like, I've only ever heard that second statement maybe once or twice. And both times it was, I told you that I wasn't ready to talk about this because I knew I would hurt your feelings in the way that I'm going to say it. But you told me you could handle it. So therefore, you have no right to be angry at me because I warned you if we have this conversation, I'm going to hurt your feelings because I haven't fully processed it and come up with a way to communicate my feelings without hurting your feelings. Steph is out here telling you, y'all weak. (laughs) Sorry, you're weak. What's the problem? I'm telling you how I feel. No. Get stronger. That's, 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 listen, that's what I heard. Oh, my God. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Anyways, I'm done. Guys, amen and goodbye. I'm done. Y'all can listen to her talk. Sorry. You can listen to her laugh. Because I, like, okay. I'm, I'm visualizing you talking and just being like, well, I told y'all I wasn't ready to talk about it. And, and Jade Doe be like, but you hurt my feelings. And you and you say, well, I told you. Are you prepared for it? Because I'm going to be honest. And you said, yes, I'm fine with it. But I wasn't ready. I didn't think you were going to be that honest. Well, this is your fault that your feelings are hurt. AKA, I'm sorry you're weak. I'm sorry you're weak, but it's okay. Because that's exactly how I talk. Oh, my God. That's what I would hear, though. You and I had this other conversation. I would hear that. I'd be like, I'm not weak. That would just be my response. You would. That, <laughs> that would be your response. Be my, I'm not weak. Actually, first you'd go, wow. Wow. Why are you pulling me? And then I, I would be like. Feel, I don't I'm not that weak, Stephanie. <laughs> but that really hurt me. <laughs> I'd probably use my phrase that I was using a lot towards the end of 2022. Oh, God. I'm very sensitive right now. I don't know that I can have space to hold for this. <laughs> I don't know that if I have the emotional space to hold this conversation right now, but we can try. And I'd be like, oh, nope, I was too sensitive. I thought I was. I'm sorry. I should have trusted my gut. But <laughs> I, I, I agree with your therapist. I think sometimes the unfiltered, the unfiltered thought and raw emotion is needed. Yes. It's needed. Because how else do you know how to stand up for yourself when you need to if you don't stumble through it? How else do you know what your limit is of like, okay, I can push myself to be uncomfortable, but when is it to my breaking point and my detriment? How else do Which you figure out- Which is a great way to figure out where that line is. Let's just, is. let's just go over it. Where's what my line? breaking point? Let's break me. I was broken earlier today. <laughs> I didn't eat breakfast. No, yesterday. <laughs> I was not broken yesterday. I was fine <laughs> You were fine yesterday. I was not. I'm never fine. <laughs> Let's just be honest. I'm never fine. But some, sometimes we do need to do, like, we need to do that. We need to make ourselves uncomfortable. I mean, recently, I've joined workout classes because... Yeah, I know. 
I'm gonna work out at I'm gonna work out at Planet Fitness. I'm gonna go to my gym and I'm gonna do my little workout and I'm not gonna push myself. I'm gonna be like, oh, I'm starting to get all uncomfortable. Let me scale it back. Let me not go so fast. I'm in a workout class. I don't have the option to not. I got an instructor running up down the aisle. Push faster, push harder. You could do this, you could do this. And I'm like, I can I? I don't know. Let's try. Oh, I guess I can. Oh, wow, I can do this. How can I do this? Let me stop focus on how I'm doing this and just keep doing it because I can do it. Sometimes we just need to need somebody to push us, which it sounds like your therapist is doing appropriately to say like, no, you can do that. Tap into that. Figure that out. Then figure out what your limit is because you'll know. You'll know. Look at you bringing your exercise mental into this. Listen, it took a while for me to get there, but I'm back. All right. Any last thoughts on shame? I love how you just abruptly be like, I'm done talking now. What's, are we done? Are we done with this episode? Let's wrap this joint up. I'm finished. I got no other words to say. AKA, Steph is We're tired. Getting... She wants to go to sleep. We're getting off task. We're getting off topic. And more about that, that time, the normal time. No, we are time about the time. We're about the time so where we like, just start aimlessly rambling. It's fine. Okay. Any last thoughts? Do you have any last thoughts? I thought I just asked you that question. I know. I have a question, but... I, I mean, I have an answer. I can go first. I just don't know if people have thoughts. You go first. Okay. Um, I do have some last thoughts, but it's going to come in a different way. In the sense of, it gets a statement. Okay. I am sorry to whoever is listening who has been put in a position to have to carry the weight of someone else's consequences that they did not ask for. You deserve better than that. That should not be your reality. And I am sorry that that is your reality. Know that there is freedom for you outside of that because you don't have to carry that. And so I hope that you are seeking peace and freedom how you know to seek peace and freedom in a way that is healthy and constructive and not detrimental to your being. That's it. That's all I got. Amen and goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. That's it. I can't. There's nothing else to say. All right, guys. Well, let it be. Amen. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.